1: Hello, and welcome back to the Selling from the Heart podcast. Your co-host, Daryl Lamey, here today with Larry Levine. What's going on, Larry?
2: You're pointing in the right direction. It's a pleasure. It's always good to see you, by the way, Daryl. It's great
1: to see you as well. And right now, the heat is on. We're in the middle of summer. August is here. Uh, It is flying by. But I got to say, one of the best parts of summer has been being able to hang out with like-minded sales professionals on Friday in the Selling from the Heart Insiders group. Larry, the discussion we had this last weekend, uh, last Friday, was spectacular, and here we are a few days later. I'm still fired up about what we
2: learned. Oh, you got to love art subject when the phone is your friend, right? And it's just, it's so wonderful to watch people who are so petrified at using the phone of all ages, just get educated and schooled by one of the true legends and i hate using legend because sometimes we use the word legend equates to being old but art is a legend in telephone prospecting and telephone sales it's
1: been fantastic and if you'd like to hang out with a group of like-hearted sales professionals yeah we come join us join us at selling from the heart.net insiders and learn about how you can gather together With other like-hearted sales professionals and drive your success forward in an authentic way and by the way if you're new to the selling from the heart podcast welcome you've joined a growing community of sales professionals that are dedicated to being genuine being authentic adding real value we call it selling from the heart larry we've got a great conversation teed up today as we start i just want to give a quick shout out to our good friends at bomb bomb as we say, uh, they are rehumanizing business, allowing us to put face and personality and energy to f- what has traditionally been faceless communication.
2: Yeah, if we if we look at it, it's you know, the forms that everyone feels comfortable using right now, right? Email, social. Let's just put our face behind this, bring our personality to life, bring some passion behind it, and send a video message to your clients, to your future clients. Heck, send a video message to me before you send one to Daryl, though. Now, you definitely want to send your first video (laughs) message
1: to me, but you can actually try this for free for 14 days. Just go to BombBomb.com slash heart and you'll get immediate access for 14 days. Try it out. Put a face to faceless communication, rehumanize business. Go see our friends at BombBomb and uh, you're going to thank us for it. Larry, we've got a fun conversation teed up today. I think I've heard we are going to, uh, we're going to poke the bear. We're going to get a little bit of a velvet slap. So we're going to learn about all of that. Why don't you introduce our friend Jeremy and let's dive in.
2: Hey, first of all, I I love what, hey, just real quick before we're talking about velvet slap, I'm big on iron fist velvet glove. There so go. we're, we're going to have a great conversation with our guest, Jeremy Miner. It's talking about, a second ago, Daryl, you talked about you know adding real value jeremy adds real value i've enjoyed getting to know jeremy our past crossed through the social platforms i've been honored to be a guest on his podcast we're going to talk about things that you know jeremy might say it's poking the bear i call it professionally being direct but i think it's things that need to be said in today's world when it comes to how do we communicate with buyers who are skeptical so jeremy Miner, welcome to selling from the heart
0: you know, I'm not afraid to poke the bear for sure. So thanks for, uh, thanks for having me on your show. It's uh, it's an honor. And, uh, you know, we've got Daryl from Arkansas close to me and Larry all the way out in L.A. I'm out in L.A. quite a bit. So I was grateful to be on here with you guys.
2: Yeah. And that's not lower Arkansas for there some people. Go. Right. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> I was born there. That's right. Larry, you're outnumbered
1: today. That's all no, good. You're
0: outnumbered, Larry.
1: <laughs> oh, man. We're going to have a blast today, Jeremy. And you know the question, though, that every guest on the Selling mm-hmm. from the Heart podcast answers, and that is, what does it mean to you
0: to mm-hmm. sell from the heart? Well, I think it's something that you just said when you introduced the Bomb Bomb videos, which I've never heard about. I think that's a great idea. I think selling from the heart means to humanize the sales process, to actually be a human when you're communicating with your potential prospects and really learning how to detach yourself from the expectations of making the sale and instead focus on whether there's an actual sale to be made in the first place, an actual, can you actually solve this prospect's problem? So in my mind, that's what selling from the heart really means. Uh, it's
2: Jeremy, it's so good. I just, I just want to key in on a word that you just said real quickly, and we can peel this back just for a little bit, is you brought the word humanize to the forefront. Yeah. So I'm going to flip this around. I'm going to add a D D E DE in front of that. Why do you think that so many people in sales have dehumanized the sales process? I'm just curious.
0: Well, I don't think it's actually their fault. Um, I think it's the fault of sales trainers that have been telling them uh, certain things that just ain't true anymore, right? You don't know what you don't know, right? So if you don't know what you don't know and somebody tells you who you think is an expert, what to do. You just think it's the gospel and you just go out and try to do it, even though it might not really work that well anymore or serve you well anymore. I think one of the biggest mistakes that salespeople make is, you know, back in the old days. And I don't know if this, I think it's still being taught. <laughs> but a lot of sales trainers still teach. You've got to be really enthusiastic when you're out selling. Now, do I believe that you should be excited about what you sell? Well, of course, right? But you keep that inside. You keep it internal because the moment you become overly excited externally, just like your shirts on your website say in your prospect's mind, you now have commission breath, right? Mm. So when you come across too excited externally, when you're talking to your prospects about what you sell your prospects typically will do one of two things. And I, I want everybody to think about this in your mm-hmm. own situation when somebody's tried to sell you. You either, if you have an A-type personality, you get very aggressive and defensive and you throw out objections and you just try to get rid of them quick, You slap them around, we're not interested, we don't need it, price is too high and boom, you're gone. Or if you're more of a passive personality, you're like, oh, that sounds really good. I'm really <laughs> interested. Can you send me some information? And I'm going to call you back in a week, a month, <laughs> a year later. And good luck. They just went MIA. And when mm-hmm. you text them, call them, email them, you never hear from them again. Something must have happened. A family murder. Murder must have happened in the family and they got relocated to Montana or something. And <laughs> they're just gone. They've disappeared. So I think there's all these myths out there that so many salespeople have been taught that just aren't true.
1: Mm. You know, what you're saying about enthusiasm is so counterintuitive, but I totally see that. Like, (laughs) you know, you get excited and I get excited about things, Jeremy, but you get excited uh, about things at the beginning of a sales process and then all of a sudden just walls, walls come up.
0: Yeah, it's just it's behavioral science one one. So my my uh, degree, even though I dropped out of college with thirteen credits left, but my study. Oh man! I know I got too bored. I you're too you're bored. almost at the goal line, Jeremy. I, I just got too bored. I just you know just, <laughs> I was just like, Let's go I do something, learn, to make I some can money. Learn more from buying books in Barnes and Noble and going <laughs> to events than my professors who've never sold anything. But you know, behavioral science really goes over this very in particular and within the first typically seven to 12 seconds of any sales interaction that you have with the prospect, whether that's on Zoom, whether that's on the phone, whether that's in person, door to door, or in a boardroom meeting, it doesn't really matter. Your prospects subconsciously are picking up on verbal and nonverbal cues based on your tonality and what you are saying and or asking that triggers their brain to react in one of two ways. If Mm. you come across excited, aggressive, and needy, which most salespeople have been taught, it triggers their brain to go into what we call fight or flight mode, where they try to get rid of you fast, like we just talked about. "Uh, I don't need it, we already have it, I'll call you back. How many times does that happen? Now, if you understand the right questions to ask with the right tonality, and you come across more neutral and unbiased, it triggers their brain to become curious enough where they feel like they want to engage with you. They want to open up to you because you might have something that's very important for them. So we have to learn those skills right from the start of that conversation. Otherwise, the wall's already up, like you said, Daryl, and you're competing against the wall the whole time. Who wants to sell when you're having to compete against the wall of resistance for the next hour or month or however long your sales cycle is? Oh, just a lot of hard work that's not necessary. No.
2: And and I think it's, this is, this is good stuff because I don't think, and this is, again, this is my opinion, Jeremy and Daryl. I don't think there's enough coaching and or training going on that talks about how to effectively open that very first conversation. Yeah. Because, you know, you may never get to that quote unquote closing situation if you fail to open this correctly. And I like how you use the word neutral. So could you coach our listeners on how can you create that neutral presence in that first meeting?
0: Well, okay. So neutral, when I, when I talk about being neutral, I'm talking about being unbiased. Okay. So let me give you an example and something different. So everybody can see this analogy when you're on Facebook. Okay. And let's say that, let's just talk about politics for a second. I'm not political. I'm just kind of like right in the middle watching all the crazies battle it out with the left and right and all that stuff. And I'm just like, whoa, what's going on? But I like to watch communication styles. That's really fun for me. Yeah. So when when you're, let's say that you're, I don't know, a Republican and you're trying to prove your point. Your friend's a Democrat and they post something and you're totally against it. You're like, that's wrong. That's evil or whatever. And you start bashing them and telling them how wrong they are. Do you think that person is ever going to open up to your way of thinking? No, because you're biased. You're coming from a biased point of view. So they know any comment you have, if it's biased, they just automatically shut down. And, And the same is true for the other side, right? So that's when we come into a conversation, we have to be neutral. Like we're there to see if we can actually help. We're not quite sure we could yet, right? So when we teach companies and salespeople even how to cold call, We'll tell them in that cold call, you know, we come up with what we call a problem statement, which is focused on one or two problems that that prospect or that gatekeeper can identify with. We're not even talking about our solution, but one of the things we say, you know, uh, is this John? Hey, John, this is just uh, Jeremy Miner. I was wondering if you could possibly help me out for a moment. Uh, Sure. How can we help you? What's this all about? Well, I'm not quite sure you could yet. And then we go into this thing. We don't have time. We will, I won't go through the whole thing right now. But when we say, well, I'm not quite sure you could, or I'm not quite sure we could even help you, it automatically shows that you're more neutral, that you're non-biased. So if a prospect says in the beginning of a call, and I think you heard me talk about this on Bradley's podcast, uh-huh. if a prospect says, well, why should we go with you? Like we're meeting with XYZ company. Why, well, we're happy with whoever we have. Why should we go with you? And what do most salespeople say?
2: <laughs> they they go oh, they go they go right reasons. into well it.
0: of course you should go with us <laughs> because we've got the best this and we've got the best that and we've got the best customer service and the best founders and we have the most integrity and it's like Charlie Brown, like wow, wah, wow, wow. like nobody listens. It's like one ear out the other. Every salesperson says that. How many salespeople do you know that tries to sell you something that say, Oh, our product's the fifth best in the market? Well, nobody. They all say they have the best product in the market. So when we say things like that, it automatically triggers skepticism it forces the prospect to be more cautious about what we're doing because they're used to every salesperson saying that. Uh So if I say this, if I say, well, I'm not quite sure you should yet. And it it might make sense if I knew a little bit more about X and Y and Z just to see if we could even help you in the first place. And then I'm going to ask what's called a situation question to find out more about their situation. Now, by just me saying, well, I'm not, I'm not quite sure you should yet. What does that automatically do with the prospect? It disarms them. Uh-huh. It makes it's a neutral statement because you don't know for sure in the beginning of a call yep. or a conversation if you can help them without finding out certain things. So what that does is it disarms the prospect and the wall comes down, and now they're becoming more open to what you're offering. Because I'm telling you, no other sales no other salesperson is doing that. They're just telling them why you should go with us. And it's in one ear out the other. And then they automatically become commoditized with all these other salespeople that say the same thing. And the prospect says, well, leave me some information. I'll get back to you. And it's a never ending cycle that you don't have to go through.
1: Beautiful. I love that. I love that mentality of, of going in. How can I disarm that? And I love that question because as yeah. soon as you ask that question, immediately, instead of them being defensive, they're like, "Well, well, wait a minute. What do you mean? It might not be a fit for us, or we might not be, you know, ready. Yeah, and I would even say,
0: and and the fit word is okay, but a lot of salespeople have been saying that for a long time. Mm -hmm. So I try to shy away from the fit Mm. because a lot of consultative selling training Mm -hmm. will say that. So a lot of companies have been used to that. So I say, well, I'm I'm not quite sure we we could yet, and I leave it a little bit more neutral. Fits okay, Mm -hmm. but. Even that word is becoming overused, I think, in, in most sales love it. companies for sure. Oh, I love that. Hey, you Daryl. Are. Hey, Daryl. This is why. This is why I'm a big believer. Words and
2: messaging matter so much today mm-hmm. in sales that I just don't think we pay enough attention to the things that are going to come out of our mouth before they come out of our mouth. And I mean, we're just keen on. I'm, I'm a bit. I geek out on words and messaging. Daryl. Well, let, me, Sorry.
0: let me give you an example of this. I mean, the government does such a great job on. How they neutralize terms. Mm-hmm. Look at the IRS, Internal Revenue Service. Now, if that was called Internal Taxing Service, which it is, people right. would be freaking out. <laughs> but because it's called Internal Revenue Service, which is revenue is a more neutral term. Like revenue. Like, oh, okay. But it was Internal Taxing Service. Imagine it'd be like the, the Boston Tea Party again, right? Right. <laughs>
1: So skepticism. Let's just talk about skepticism for a minute. I mean, buyers are skeptical. How do you see this? Uh, I just read the 2021 Edelman Trust Report this morning. The results were very dismal uh, in terms of trust. (laughs) Getting worse every year, and it it really is a challenge right now because, um, you know, I I was even thinking about all these things that we used to use as proof sources as salespeople, like the independent research, no, I guess Pfft, independent research is like yeah. skeptical buyers. What, yeah. how, how can we, how can we overcome this massive barrier um, of skepticism well, out
0: there? Let's let's talk about how the barrier has happened over decades, mm-hmm. right? Cause mm-hmm. it's, it's mm-hmm. hit its sure. boiling point. I, I thought it hit its boiling point back in the, the market crash of 2008 and 2009 with trust. It's only getting worse every year. Mm-hmm. Okay. Think about the internet, the power of the internet, Mm in social media compared to 20 years ago, which the internet was just brand new, right? There was no social media 20 years ago besides MySpace maybe, right? Who has a MySpace profile anymore? I I don't even think I ever had the time to (laughs) sign up one. But but because we are being sold to 365 days out of the year, 24 seven, think about it for a second. You wake up in the morning, what's the first thing you do? You get on your phone, scroll through Facebook. You've got ads trying to sell you something, right? You get up. You walk in the kitchen, pour yourself a coffee or whatever you do in the morning. You turn on the TV, commercials trying to sell you something, news channels trying to sell you their ideology, right? Whatever news channel you you listen to politically trying to sell you their message, right? You get in the car, you turn on the radio to your favorite station, commercials trying to sell you something. You go to your office, your boss trying to sell you to do something or vice versa, right? Your employee (laughs) trying to sell you to do something. You get in the car, radio back on, trying to sell you something. You drive down the road to get home. Billboards on the side of the road, trying to sell you something. You get home. You see your aunt post something about the newest MLM she joined and why you should join as well. (laughs) People are trying to sell you something 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Right now, there are over 3 billion people on social media every single day as content providers, all the way down from the 15-year-old on TikTok, all the way to you know a hundred, the 100-year-old hundred that's posting, trying to persuade and persuade you over to their way of thinking about something, whether it's business or work or politics or this or that. You are being sold to 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And because mm. of that, it's caused the modern-day information-aged buyer to be very cautious and skeptical. That's how it started. You know, what do we do about it? That's the question. Your thoughts on that? <laughs> no, it's... Uh...
2: I mean, well, we talk about it, we talk about it all the time. I, I'm in agreement. We're bombarded all the time. And it's like, how do you cut through the noise? But unfortunately, everyone's trying to cut through the noise, swimming in the red ocean. And well, I mean, this is sales-centric, but everybody's swimming and saying the same thing, swimming in the same ocean because it's comfortable. <laughs> but you know, in order to get Jeremy to, you know, pay five seconds of attention to me, or Daryl to pay 10 seconds. My messaging has got to be different. The words I use have to be different. The yeah. confidence in how I deliver that message has got to be different. And I have to be willing to swim in a different colored ocean.
0: Well, 100%, because really, it really, all selling is, it really boils down to this. If you, if somebody, everybody asks me, like, what is selling? All selling is, is change. That's all it is. It's all about one thing, and that's change. It's about how good you are at helping your prospect view in their mind that by changing their situation, okay, paying for your product or service right here is far less riskier for them than doing nothing at all, staying in the status quo, problems stay the same, and nothing ever changes for them, which is more risky. So whether they want, you know, something better, or they're trying to move away from pain, it's all about change. But here's the problem, though. Human beings, for the most part, don't like change even though they say they do, right? Because it makes us do what? It makes us feel unsettled, uncomfortable, especially when it's initiated, like you said, by salespeople overly eager to pitch their products or services within 10 to 15 seconds of actually meeting the prospect. And human behavior shows that we value tradition, uh, consistency, and something that's familiar over something that we don't really like that much or something that is over something that is new and foreign to us, right? So one thing we, we have to realize is that you're not, selling your product or service. You're not selling what what we would say the thing, right? You're selling the results of that thing. You're selling what that thing is going to do for them. If you're a real estate agent selling a new home, you're selling them the results of what that new home is going to do. Maybe they have... Five kids now, and they need five bedrooms, or maybe they have a, a neighborhood they live in that there's a lot of crime, so they want into a neighborhood where there's no crime. You're selling them the results of that thing, you're not selling them the thing itself. We have to understand that as salespeople.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's so powerful. And I'm a firm believer that buyers don't buy products, they buy the outcomes those products and services deliver. And also, uh, as I'm listening to this and just thinking, you know, understanding that the, the cost of that product that you're selling is way more than the money. Um, the cost is also the risk. Like what if the risk of change, the cost is the time and hassle mm-hmm. of the change that there's all kinds of cost being accounted for as well. And so we're pushing, pushing, pushing. Yeah. Um, it's making, it's making everybody nervous. Yeah. And the, yeah. the cost is way more than the money. And so all of this yeah. has got to be
0: couched. Yeah, which is more trust. risky. It's, it's like you said, Daryl, it's about getting your prospect to start thinking results based thinking rather Mm -hmm. than price or cost-based thinking. Now, you can't tell them that. You have to ask them certain questions at the right time that allow them to view that in their mind, that it's far more riskier for them to do nothing at all and their Mm -hmm. problems stay the same than it is to get the money together to solve all these problems that you've helped them see by your questioning to get where they want to go, which is more risky. That's how you you help people that are cautious and skeptical overcome that way of thinking. And the more risk,
1: uh, the more the higher the. It's interesting because if you think of of not to get too nerdy here, but if you're pricing an investment, well, you are a nerd, by the way. Thanks, Larry. It's good if to you, be a nerd, hey, <laughs> it is good to be a nerd, and I'm glad I found a a girl that likes nerds. So it's working out pretty well for me. But if you <laughs> if you think about you know if you're going to buy an investment, right? You are uh, one investment is in Apple. Mm. You know, another investment is in a brand new startup artificial intelligence company that's run out of someone's garage. Mm. Um, you know, which one are you going to demand a higher return from, right? Because yeah. one is way, way riskier. Yeah. And the thing about it is when we don't address this topic of risk inside yeah. our sales conversations, yeah. uh, we end up looking more like the startup in someone's garage than the yeah. the Apple. And I think yeah. part of the authenticity is, is clearly in figuring out how we're going to address the risk yeah, inside the conversation. Otherwise, status quo is always well, going to feel like less risk risky choice. Risky,
0: right? We, when you ask your prospect which is more risky, with that, what I just did there, people mm-hmm. will come back and they'll say, uh, "It's more risky if I don't do anything," and that's what you want. You want them to say that because now they realize in their mind that it's far more risky if they don't purchase what you're offering and stay in the status quo and nothing ever changes. You can ask what we call consequence questions like, well, what what are the what are the possible ramifications here if your company doesn't do anything about solving this and the situation keeps going where it's been? Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. It's a consequence question. Hold on. What? If, what if you don't do? It? Let's say if you sold lead generation service. I'm just throwing something out there. What if you don't do anything about this, and your company keeps getting these lower quality leads to their salespeople, and your sales keeps stagnating the next three, six, even twelve months from now?
1: Mm-hmm. Right.
0: So now you're telling, you're asking them, what are the consequences if they don't do anything about that? Now what that does is it builds urgency in their mind that they need to change, right? Selling is all about change, right? So their urgency in their mind that they need to change now, not I want to think it over, let me look it around five different quotes. If you don't know the right questions that help them build urgency in their mind, that's why you get so many objections at the end of the conversation or the sales cycle, depending on what you sell.
2: Which goes back to the very beginning of our time together. It's why some of this old school techniques, right? Mm -hmm. I'm an old school guy. That's how I was brought up. But that's
0: why some of these old school techniques just don't work any longer with today's buyer. They don't. And and it's becoming worse and worse and worse. It's like, you know, if you're still if you're still listening to people who sold a long time ago that haven't changed, right? Cause I'm all about change, right? Like if I'm going to see something and I'm like, okay, if I change, I'm going to get a better result than where I'm at now. I'm changing, right? I'm not, I'm not stuck in my ways where I can't see out of that. Right? So first of all, we have to understand human behavior. We have to use techniques that work with human behavior rather than techniques that actually work against it. So it's just like we were talking about using neutral languaging. If I come to the end whatever I'm selling and I'm like, okay, uh, Mr. Mr. Jones or whatever, uh, just sign the contract here. Well, sign and contract are two negative words that a lot of people just don't like because a lot of people don't like to be locked in and something that they might regret later. But if I just change the wording around to just authorize the agreement, that means the same thing but it's more of a neutral term, authorize the agreement rather than sign the contract. Same thing, but far more neutral and far less people will resist that because more people are willing to authorize an agreement to solve their problems and get where they want. But people don't like to sign contracts.
1: Yeah. I, our friend oh. Tom Hopkins would be proud. It. <laughs> but I think that that mentality, like that, that mentality, it, it, and it is interesting because that some of that's old school mentality, but it's saying, how can we take that and take that through the whole sales process? Because I was taught, don't ever say sign the contract.
0: But how do we take that all the way back to the beginning? It's, it's um, well, yeah, right? because the sale yeah. is won or lost at hello. It's not won or lost. Yeah. You know, we try to use the, do you want the red one or the blue one? Like, <laughs> right. you do yeah. just decide there. That's not where the sale is won. And so many people believe that. And that's why, you know, half their conversation with their prospect is presenting back all the wonderful things about their company and the, you know, the right. 50 to the 50 yep. page slide deck where everybody's going to sleep. And then they try to close and wonder why the prospects never get mm. back to them. Instead, the sales really won or lost during the, the diagnosis part of that conversation, the discovery part where you're helping them see clearly in their mind what problems they have, because here's what we all have to understand. This is so important. Okay. Okay. I always tell people, uh, companies, never sell to needs. You have to sell to problems because most of your prospects don't know what they need when you first talk to them. They don't know what their problems are. Or maybe they do realize they have a problem, but maybe they don't know how bad the problem really is. Or maybe they don't know the consequences of what will happen if they don't solve the problem. Or maybe through your questioning skills you can learn, you're able to help them not just see one problem they thought they had. But now you're able to help them see two or three or four or five other problems they didn't even realize before they had this conversation with you. And when you're able to help them see all of these problems they have and where they're at now, we call that their current state or current situation. Here's where they want to be. I call that their objective state. What's the gap? All these problems that you're questioning has helped them see where they are. And the bigger that gap, because of your questioning skills, the more likely they are to purchase what you're offering. Now, the smaller the gap, because you don't know the right questions, you just ask a few consultative questions, then go into your pitch, the less likely they're going to move because there's no urgency for them to want to do anything.
2: Mm-hmm. God, hey, Daryl, this is so good. I have flashes of good old Mark Hunter f- just floating through my head right now because he always says, I've, listening to what Jeremy was saying, Mark always says, we need to help people see things that they didn't think was achievable outcomes, right?
1: Mm-hmm. He,
2: he always loves playing on that, is we just need to help our clients and prospects see things that they didn't think were achievable.
0: Listen, I love this conversation. It's and here, so you're, you're exactly right. Now, we can't tell them that because mm-hmm. they're going one ear yeah. after the other, right? That's biased. We have to ask the right questions that allow them, like you were saying, the this, this smart hunter gentleman allows them to see in their mind. Yeah. And when they see it in their mind, well, that's the truth. It's the gospel yeah. and they are moving forward.
1: Exciting, Jeremy! What a great conversation! And thank you so much for sharing time. How can uh, how can folks learn more and get get some yeah. more Jeremy? I, yeah, sure. I mean, you got to get more uh, I'm of not, Jeremy.
0: I'm I'm pretty, <laughs> I'm pretty boring, but if they want to learn how to sell more, well, yeah, you know? it's, it's kind of neutral. You totally yeah, neutral. <laughs> so my my wife my wife says you have no skills in life. Your only skill. Is training people how to sell more? I'm like, okay, I'll take that. You have no other skills. You can't do this. You can't do that. I can't change the light bulb. I know how to do that. But you know what I mean? Hey, hey just really go quick. quick. Hey,
2: J- hey, Jeremy, really quick. I just have to throw a funny out there and then you can let people ha- <laughs> share, she, she, she share some things. I look at your name, Rob, like going, hey, you know what? You could have minored in something in college, but uh da.
0: that.
2: Right. <laughs> <laughs> like you haven't heard that wow. one
0: before. Oh, there you go. That was a good one. L.A. joke, right,
2: Daryl? Total L.A. joke, sorry. It went over like a lead balloon. My apologies, but it was flashing through my head. That was a
1: notch below a dad joke. I know. So, Jeremy, (laughs) how how can folks learn more and get a
0: hold of you? Best (laughs) way to learn more about what we do is you can join, your listeners can join our private Facebook group. It's called Sales Revolution. Uh, So go to Sales Revolution. I had my assistant email you guys the link to that. Put it in the show notes. Yeah. Put in the show notes, uh, we got about 9,000 or so salespeople in there. We just started that group about six months ago. People collaborate. Uh, myself, our CEO, our vice president of sales, go live in there about five times a week with different tips, different Q&As, different trainings. You know, we've got salespeople that sell anything from B2C transactional selling to B2B complex selling. It's kind of all over the place, hundreds of different industries in there. And uh, we give away a lot of, um, you know, just uh, little snippets of training, give everybody an introduction. And when they join, they'll just answer like a three question survey. So we know kind of what industry they're in, what they're looking for out of the group. And uh, right when they join, we tag them and we send them over a free 45 minute training on objection prevention how to prevent oh, like objections it. from even happening in your prospect's mind. We send it right over to you in uh, Facebook Messenger. So look at your messengers. And that's it, sales revolution. Sales revolution. Group, Jeremy, thank you so much. You're a kindred spirit, and I really appreciate yeah, you this is good. time with us today. This is fun. I need to get a shirt like you guys. I, I like those guys. We we have a we have a Hugo Boss shirts in our company. You, yeah. you, you guys use Under Armour, right? Yeah, we we're right. sponsored by Under Armour. So <laughs> yeah, I'm don't good. hey, don't I wish Jeremy? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I want to get some Under Armour now. I like it. Awesome. So well, you know hey, we talked to. So, hey, Jeremy, have a super day. We we really enjoyed hanging out. Thanks, gentlemen. As a right, we'll talk anytime, to you anytime, Larry. Oh, what a that was blast. so good. Uh, that was so good. So good. Uh, so many practical things to take away from this conversation. But I think one of the most practical is uh, I think it's time for us to take another uh, another pass at really paying attention to the words that we use, uh, especially. In the opening of our sales conversations.
2: Yeah. And there, and there's there, there's a couple different words that just really stood out. Neutralize being one of them mm-hmm. and go into conversations with an unbiased point of view. You know, mm-hmm. how many times in sales do we always go in with that biased point of view? They already know, you know, a lot of salespeople already know what they're gonna say and so forth. No, right. This is the whole part. We got to bring some curiosity and layer this in there. But how can we bring an unbiased perspective and neutralize some of this? I, I after I was listening to Jeremy at the end, I can I can listen to Jeremy all day long. First thing that came, you know, was flashing through is, you know, are you that sales neutralizer?
1: Think about that one. Right. Yeah, it's kind of you know, it's kind of like where you are out in the West Coast. I mean, it, you just a spark can light a fire. You got to be really, really cautious. And I think in today's hyper-skeptical, post-trust um, sales world, it's really, really critical that we pay attention, uh, that we're not uh, we're not sparking uh, a forest fire where we don't want it. Instead, we're, we're opening hearts and minds. So thanks again to our friends at BombBomb. Uh, go to bombbomb.com slash heart check that out try it for free for 14 days we have got some exciting uh, news coming up here real shortly we're putting the finishing touches on it so come back next week and uh, we'll have something really exciting to announce larry any other words of encouragement or wisdom before we sign off today
2: no i would just i would just inc- it's a, it's an age old saying but i think it just plays out opening is the new closing sales professionals and sales leaders out there, we have to pay attention to how we open the very first conversation. Conversations oh, do matter.
1: Well, once again, thank you to our friends at Bomb, Bomb. Thank you to everyone in the Selling from the Heart community for sharing the podcast. Thank you for leaving a review. It helps us spread the word. And until next time, keep being genuine, keep being authentic, keep adding real value, pay attention to your words, and most of all, sell from the heart.